Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Dr. Don Whitney to the podcast. Dr. Whitney serves as professor of biblical spirituality and as the associate dean of the School of Theology at Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. He's an accomplished author and has recently released a revised edition of his book, 10 Questions to Diagnose Your Spiritual Health. Dr. Whitney, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Dr. Allen, it's always a delight to talk with you, and it's a great honor to be on your podcast again. Yeah, of course, you're an old friend, you're a dear friend, and uh, we'll get to uh, touch on that here in just a moment and uh, how our lives have intersected now for for well over 20 years. Uh, Before doing that, though, I want to just let our listeners know what the conversation will be on today. Uh, The pastor and discerning his congregation's spiritual health. Obviously, building upon your book, 10 Questions to Diagnose Your Spiritual Health, and uh, helping pastors think through how to really assess the spiritual climate, the spiritual health uh, of one's church members. Before we get to that, though, let's talk personally. Uh, What's new with your family and your ministry, not only for my update, but for our listeners? Yeah, well, thanks for asking. In terms of ministry, I guess the the most uh, significant update is uh, back to traveling again. COVID kept that happening for everybody, you know, for about a year, but I'm now um, starting to speak in churches and conferences again. And uh, as far as as family, since we've talked on this podcast, uh, our third grandchild was born, um, uh, emergency C-section while my daughter was out of town two months early. And uh, she has a, a, an extremely rare, uh, chromosome deletion disorder. So rare, in fact, this particular one has never been seen in the recorded medical history of the entire world. And uh, that has resulted in them moving from New Albany, Indiana, which is right across the river from Louisville, to Indianapolis to be near Children's Hospital there and the 14 specialists my granddaughter has. And the heartache of that for us is though it's the right decision best that meant moving away from us, about two hours and 15 minutes away. So that, that's been really tough. Laurelin is our only child. Those are our only grandchildren. So right now she's, you know, there's pluses and minuses. Generally she's doing okay. Uh, but that's, that's the biggest thing family-wise. Right. Of course, you know, I've talked uh, over the months as they've had to go down this road together. And uh, I, I know that uh, it's been quite a challenge from a medical standpoint. But uh, I'm glad to hear they're where they need to be geographically, even though it's uh, distant from grandpa and grandma. Yeah. Uh, tell, tell us what's new on the ministry front. I know you mentioned traveling, but uh, anything uh, writing-wise that you're looking to uh, produce here in the next couple of years? Well, the revised uh, 10 Questions book we're talking about today uh, just came out. So that's new, very new. And then I'm working on a book on meditating on the Bible. And it's meant to be a complement to my book, Praying the Bible. When I do conferences most weekends, what I most commonly do is talk about praying the Bible for a couple of hours on Friday night, meditation on Scripture Saturday morning. And so I've always wanted to put that conference, so to speak, in, in written form. I've done that for the Friday night part, praying the Bible, and now this is a, an, a desire to get the Saturday morning sense. These, I think, are the two most important personal spiritual disciplines, the intake of the Word and prayer, and the, the two crit- most critical parts of both of those uh, and so now I'm working on that part on meditation on Scripture. Well, I mentioned this a moment ago on the front end, but since you mentioned putting into book form these weekend conferences, uh, you and I first met in the context of a weekend conference uh, that yes. you were leading at Dolphin Way Baptist Church in the late 1990s. And I was serving there then with Steve Lawson 
And uh, and I know you recall this, but uh, and I won't digress much. But your flight got messed up, and I found myself in the very difficult position as a whatever twenty-two-year-old young man, twenty-one-year-old man, twenty-year-old man of uh, having to stand in for you and do a sermon uh, that Friday night because the people had gathered and kind of at last minute, Roz, you can't be there. Yeah, and, uh, you're notified at the Wendy's drive-through, I believe. That's right. That's right. What a, what a place to be notified—the Wendy's drive-through. <laughs> But anyway, uh, that, that, that opportunity began a friendship, and uh, we, we d- figured out that weekend our shared interest in fountain pens and uh, have been uh, good friends now for over 20 years. So it's a delight always to talk with you, a delight to talk with you today. Same here. And with that, we'll move into the conversation today about diagnosing the spiritual health of one's congregation. And again, I want to build upon your book, 10 Questions to Diagnose Your Spiritual Health. And so I guess uh, before we dash to the congregational side of things. Tell us about the book itself. Like, What prompted you to write it? What were you trying to accomplish in writing it? Um, unpack that for us. Well, this is a revised and updated. It's a 20th anniversary edition. So it originally came out in 2001. And a couple of years before that, uh, the Navigators used to have a popular magazine called Discipleship Journal that was out there for 20, 25 years. And they'd asked me to write an article uh, with the title, 10 Questions to Diagnose Your Spiritual Health. I did, and they got an incredible amount of feedback to it. And uh, Nav Press, who was you know, another arm of the navigators, just like Discipleship Journal was, Nav Press said, would you expand this into a book? I did, and uh, it's, it's uh, been appealing to a lot of people. So that, that's how it came about, and uh, they came to me uh, some time ago and said, hey, we'd like to do a 20th anniversary edition of this, sort of like we did 25th anniversary edition of your Spiritual Disciplines book. And uh, so it was time, and uh, here it is. So what were you hoping to accomplish in it, the book? Originally, it was it was sort of a, a, a follow-up to Spiritual Disciplines in one sense. Uh People, which is my first book, my best-selling book, the one I'm best known for, uh, so that after people got established in the spiritual disciplines, that this would be kind of a a checkup. Uh, It's designed to be sort of like you go to the doctor for a medical checkup, and it's usually involved, it involves a lot of questions, right? You've been sleeping okay, are are you exercising, these kinds of things. And this is a spiritual checkup, see that, okay, now hopefully you're grounded in the spiritual disciplines. Uh, Let's see how you're doing spiritually. You know, it's interesting. And this will be a mild digression here, but uh, I have used the the checkup analogy as well over the years for the medical office. And, uh, you know, my my wife, we've now been married over 20 years, but about the time of our 10-year anniversary, she was wanting me to get one of these checkups, get a checkup, get a checkup. Being a responsible husband, you know, I kept saying, no thanks, no thanks, no thanks. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I went in one day for a sinus infection to get medicine, thinking I was going in to pick up, you know, an antibiotic. And uh, I went into the, the room there. I noticed they had other instruments there in the room. And I thought, I guess they have the room set up for the next guy. Well, I I go in, the doctor starts going down a road of conversation that I wasn't expecting. And I, and I said uh, to my doctor, I said, look, there must be some confusion. I'm here just for my sinus infection. He said, there's no confusion. You're here for a thorough physical examination. <laughs> Her, her orders from Mrs. Allen. So, uh, and, and we hope you've scheduled for that. Huh? Yeah, and I and I believe me, I received one, and I'll just leave it at that. But uh, but the but the analogy does work. It does make sense that we do need to review ourselves personally, spiritually, just like we would personally, physically. 
Yeah, I mean, you bump along from Sunday to Sunday, week to week in your Christian life, go through the healthy routines. Uh, but yeah, it needs to be every once in a while that point where you say, okay, here's how I think I'm doing. Maybe how am I really doing? So with that, unpack, and you don't have to go point by point through the book, but but unpack some of the, the key instruments or the key ways um, to really know how one is doing personally, spiritually. And, and you can speak to pastors. We, our souls matter. Obviously, our hearts matter. But also beyond our pastors or inform these pastors listening as to how they can help their church members as well in this regard. Yeah, well, let me say this to pastors. Remember, you're a Christian first and a minister second. And to care for your own soul is more important uh, than caring for other souls. If you don't pay attention to your life and doctrine, your own life and doctrine, you disqualified yourself from ministering to others. So uh, even pastors need spiritual checkups. But so what I've done in these 10 questions is try to evaluate what does the New Testament say are the most important markers. I mean, very clearly, Jesus said, uh, by this all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Over and over, a new commandment I give you, love one another. So the very, uh, one of the leading questions here is, are you more loving? That's that's the chief mark of a Christian. Well, one of the marks of growth as a Christian is you're growing in that chief mark. You're more loving. And all of them say, generally, are you more this than the past? And the goal is, you know, that shows growth. Uh, for example, one of the questions is, are the Christian spiritual disciplines more uh, uh, are increasingly important to you? And now to say, well, I read the Bible five minutes a day more this year than last year may or may not be any indication whatsoever. I mean, the Pharisees did that. It's the Is the influence greater than they used to be? So that's the general idea. Do you see growth in the most important New Testament markers of Christianity. So the list of 10 that frame the questions, some of these are, are obviously biblical. They jump off the page. Um, were, you, were you originally you know, r- wrestling with 12 or 14? You had an error to 10? Or, or what, what, what enabled you to round it out to 10? <laughs> well, the original article for Discipleship Journal, they asked me to do you know 10 questions to diagnose your spiritual health. I, I believe that's the way it worked. And uh, so it originally came that way. However, what I've not said is I also model some of this on Jonathan Edwards' famous book, Religious Affections. And I sometimes privately refer to this as a poor man's, a very poor man's religious affections. It's nothing, uh, you know, that, that's a uh, that, that's an intellectually challenging book, though not impossible for even for a layperson, someone not theologically trained. But it's it's uh, evaluating. I mean, I reflected on that because that's a classic book that that the one of the most important books ever written on this continent and relates to this idea. Are you a Christian? And if so, are you growing? So I model some of those questions on his uh, ideas in that book. So speaking to pastors now listening to this podcast, and again, these listeners tend to be local church ministers, pastors, seminary students on their way to local church service. Um, how important is it? for them to have a keen eye out for the actual spiritual health of their church members? Well, certainly if their church is growing in Christ likeness, that, that's, that's at the heart of it. Let me answer that by appearing to digress for a moment. When I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, when you were born, 
the church gave you a box of offering envelopes, gave them to your parents so that every member of the household had a box of offering envelopes. And on the front of that box of offering envelopes were these check boxes with a percentage like, you know, attendance, you know, did you show up? And if so, you got like 15%. Did you give an offering? Okay, that's like 10%. Uh, and one of the questions was, did you read your Bible every day this week? That was like 10 or 15%. Are you staying for worship? And it totaled up to 100%. And of course, the goal was you want to be 100%. And in the Sunday school class, you wanted everybody in your class to be 100%. Well, yes, that can be prone to legalism. But you know what? I knew that every Sunday, as a boy, I knew this. Every Sunday, every member of my church was being asked, did you read your Bible every day this week? You know what? As a pastor, I think it would be very valuable if you knew the answer to that, right? It would be valuable to know how many of your people gave today, how many of your people read their Bible every day this week. And so to have some objective markers like that would be very useful for a pastor. Now, most of those hearing this probably aren't going to go back to those days, though there are still people uh, that do that. And yes, certainly that can be prone to legalism. But nevertheless, it it is a would be valuable information if you had it. So I think back to your specific question, it's extremely important to have some sense of where are my people in the most important areas of Christ likeness. So give us a sense, and again, you can draw on your book here, um, unpack this question or unpack this uh, answer, however you think most helpful for our listeners. But what should they be looking out for in their congregation? You've talked about love for the brethren, for instance. What should they be looking out for that really positions them to have a a pretty clear sense as to how their church is doing or not doing spiritually? Well, that's the crux of the whole matter, isn't it? Because if we're talking about measuring Christ's likeness, how, how do you do that? It, I mean, it's like in my role as professor of biblical spirituality. Uh, in my, we have a required class here, just as you do there, and most seminaries do a required class in spirituality. And on the one hand, it's impossible to grade spirituality. How do I look at a student and say, okay, I think you're 3.2% more like Jesus at the end of the semester than you were at the beginning of the semester. It's impossible. Yet, as you know even better than I, we have to grade them because we're giving them an accredited degree. And we have to be able to show accreditors how did you measure these things in an objective way that's clearly understood by everybody. So you have to measure, and yet... It's impossible in one sense. And the same is true with church health. It's impossible to fully measure that, but yet you need some sort of marker. So, you know, I'd, I'd like to hear your own thinking on this. I think it's a spiritual discernment kind of issue that may be aided by numerics. For example, growth and attendance. Generally, that's a good thing. But, you know, it could be a bad thing if they're coming for just circuses, you know, for wrong reasons. So I, I think it's a discernment, but to have a mindset of what are the markers? What am I looking for? Is it just increased giving, increased attendance? Or do I see things that indicate heart change and so forth? I remember when I was a pastor at a state convention one time in our denomination, uh, one of the denominational uh, employees uh, was preaching, and he said when he was a pastor, someone asked him one time, is your church growing? And he said he thought for a moment and said, you know, I think we are a little more like Jesus this year than we were last year. Mm. I thought that was a fabulous answer. 
Yeah. And I've thought about that many times. The point is, you're, you, back to your question, how do you know that? So my short answer is, I think on the one hand, it's just spiritually discerned. It's just knowing the things to look for. And on the other hand, trying to come up with some sort of objective markers. Well, and look, especially as you're coming out of, we're coming out of COVID and people staying shut in, people, some coming, some not, people wearing masks, not, and all the disruption and the scatteredness that produced. And so it's important to be seeking to evaluate our people. And look, some of that is subjective. We, we have to acknowledge, right? And we look, spectral evidence uh, isn't worth much. But we do want to try to sense not just attendance in worship, but, but fervency in worship. Not just bringing a Bible uh, for the sermon, but do they seem to be actually in the Bible and taking notes and asking you three questions about the sermon after the service? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those sorts of things we're looking for. People yawning through the hymn singing, or are they singing the hymns during the hymn singing? Yeah. Uh, those things matter. And, and, uh, and then you know, conversely, is, are people bickering over what color to paint the church foyer, or are they lining up to, do, uh, to go on a mission trip to Africa? I mean, those sorts of things, what's drawing people? What, what attitudinally seems to be there? Um, are people, again, not that we know what people give, but, but does it seem to be based upon basic demographic awarenesses of the congregation, the community? Does it seem like people are, are actually cheerfully giving? I mean, those things come into play, right? Yes, and you can't do them from a distance, can you, from your office? It, it requires the shepherd to be among the sheep. It requires face-to-face interaction with the pastor other staff members, so that there you can read the earnestness on someone's face when they talk about spiritual matters. You, you hear stories of faithfulness in difficult times. You hear stories of people who had opportunities to share the gospel. The only way to get that is through personal interaction and not from a distance. Yeah, and look, I, I also want to pivot here along these lines and say to pastors, and I've said this on this podcast over the years, doubtlessly, um, but leadership is a trickle-down phenomenon. It is, whether it's in your family, uh, your church, for that matter, your corporation or sports team, whatever, but in the local church, you show me a pastor that has given to prayer publicly, clearly, passionately. Over time, as years go by, the church will become more prayerful. You show me a pastor that's given to rigorous study of the Word of God. They see it. They sense it. They know it. He honors the text. He's committed expository preaching. He, he holds these things high. Over time, as years go by, the, the church will deepen their appreciation and knowledge of the Word of God. Conversely, you show me a pastor that's, that's just shallow and superficial um, and, and prayerless. Well, that is not going to trend in healthy directions for the church, right? And so there, there comes yeah. a time when, especially as our tenure in a certain place begins to get extended, where the church really does, for better or worse, reflect, at least to some degree, the pastor elders leading that church. And so um, it says something about that pastoral leader if decades begin to accumulate and the church is worse off spiritually than when he undertook that ministry, right? Yes, the longer a pastor is at a church— the more it begins to look like the pastor, in a sense, for good or ill. Uh, so if it is, a, as you said, if a, a person who, who places a premium on the devotional life, you're, go, you're going to see more of that in the church. If it's someone who does not have a burden, really, for winning souls to Christ, the church is not likely to develop 
a burden for winning souls to Christ. So that, that's the fearful thing is your strengths, your weaknesses as a pastor tend to be, the longer you're there, reflected in the church. So that's why you need 1 Timothy 4.16, you pay attention to your life and doctrine. You're an example for the flock because the church is going to reflect your example. That's right. You know, I, I'm doing a series called Letters to My Students. Volume 1 was on preaching, Volume 2 on pastoring. It came out just uh, last, month, month, last month to be in H Publishing. Well, volume 3 in that is on life and doctrine, on your life and mm-hmm. doctrine. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to even unpacking that verse that you referenced there in the context of the book. Why well, this is not about my book, it's about your book, and uh, your new book out with NAV Press, entitled 10 Questions to Diagnose Your Spiritual Health. And uh, delighted for the book. I read it 20 years ago when it came out. I've been pleased to uh, review this edition as well, and more broadly thankful for the friendship over the years. I, I guess, and I need to pull this to pull this together here, but maybe one final question. Um, what can pastors do to positively impact their congregation's spiritual health? Their own spiritual health. Nothing will replace that. Again, we're back to pay attention to your life and doctrine, uh, because this it goes on to say by you know, it, it, for as you do this, persevere in this. In fact, in other words, all the time for the end of your life and ministry, persevere in paying attention to your life and doctrine. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and those who hear you. So there. Your example, your influence, the overflow of everything else you do comes out of your own spiritual health. When I was a pastor, and in, in all together about 24 years, one church 15 years, two things were my priority, and that was my devotional life and my preaching. Because uh, no one else in the church was called to preach except me. No one was called to do that by both the Lord and the church. No one else was trained to do that to me, so I needed to put priority on that. And my own devotional life, if that if that wasn't solid, then the sinkhole syndrome developed. So those two, everything flows out of that and is influenced by that. Well, look, that's an appropriate place to land the plane today. Again, 10 questions to diagnose your spiritual health, out with NAV Press Publishers, and authored by my good friend, Don Whitney. Brother, thank you for joining me today on Preaching and Preachers. What a delight and honor it always is to be on. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.